Not yet, not yet, not yet. <laughs> Are we live? Wake up, buyer payer people. It's a beautiful day. Go grab yourself another cup of joe and say hello to Jim and Michelle Rhodes on the Buy Here, Pay Here morning show. Take it away, you two. Hey, good morning. With over 200 episodes, I still... I still do silly things like going live and it's like, no, not yet. She not just, yet. Not she yet. stopped. Over. She's gets a little out of order. I asked her if she needs more coffee I, this morning. Apparently so. so for crying yeah. out loud. Um, yeah. Good. yeah. So, I mean, you know what, what I, what I aim to do is to create a little bit of comedy relief for the day. Oh, it's good a job. Friday. Good job. You're welcome. Yeah. 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 <laughs> well, welcome everybody. Um, yeah. Glad it's to have Friday. You here on a uh, Friday? We're talking about some really important stuff. Yeah. Today. And yeah. And I t told Michelle this morning. I think we just have to make this an ongoing conversation because mm -hmm. you can't possibly cover it all. You'll never. You kind of have to go custom when yeah. it comes to these kind of cash flow things. But um, we don't but, yeah, really have many on the announcement side. Except uh, just a reminder um, about the V8 group on Tuesday night. We still mm -hmm. have um, new seats. Yeah, we have seats for the new dealers who mm -hmm. are if you're generally a hundred accounts or less. And so we're, we're happy to have just brand new folks. So, um, so yeah, just reach out if you're interested in getting involved in the mm -hmm. VA group and, uh, our group one is about full. I think we've got enough contracts yeah, out that, yeah. uh, we, we have those signatures come in. I think group one will be full, but, uh, we're happy to create another group and make room for some more folks that, uh, mostly that group is established. The group one is roughly two to 300 accounts. So yeah, that's kind of what that one is. But shall we get the other announcement? I, just remind everybody, February 15th, the dealer roundup. Yes. Right? That's Thursday morning. February so. 15th, dealer roundup morning. New format. Basically New format. three dealer panels. It's it's kind of, if you guys have been with us for the last year, um, it, you know that this is this is something that we do. Um, it's usually like the full day live broadcast, but we're we're cutting them down to not as quite as long so that it's a little bit easier for people to be able to attend and, and enjoy. But there will be the recordings available after the the event. And um, so, yeah, put it on your put it uh, if you put it on your calendar, then you can ask questions yep. during the event and, you know, be able to participate in that kind of way. Yeah. Um, yeah. So and good morning, Jared Halstead. Yeah. Good morning, Jared. And Arizona. Yeah. Glad to have you I'm here. Happy to have you. Somebody Alrighty. says hot, hot topic. And it is. This is an important hot, one. Hot, I think not gonna... hot topic. Yeah. Hot, 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 hot. hot. Yeah. Yeah. Quadruple. Four. Yeah. Muy caliente. <laughs> right? Muy caliente. Yeah. So okay. um, we got Mr. Sam Epstein right, gonna... standing by. Let's bring right. uh, Sam in and say hello. Hi, Sam. Sam. Didn't get a chance to connect ahead of time Hi. for your audio. Hey, good. Good. good morning. How are y'all doing? Good. Very good. Thank you. We're glad that you um, you uh, joined us today. And it, uh, you're the one that stirred a lot of like really interesting conversation. Um. I find it fascinating, Sam. Like, obviously, I said that in the so so 
Sam, for those who've not met him, uh, and we just met him yesterday. I had a chance to have a phone conversation with him last night, but he, he put a really um, interesting post out on um, the BHPH Success Group, which for those of you not familiar, is a private, Shout out to uh, yeah, private um, uh, BHP or p- private group for buy here, pay here, and lease here, pay here dealers. And so Sam put a question in there that is something that we we talk about a lot, Sam. Like we we work on cash flow modeling for dealers that are new. And I thought your question was particularly interesting because you were basically asking about how much free capital should I need? And, and you can share your interpretation. I, I thought what you were asking is if I used leverage, how much of my own money would I need to be able to get over the hump? Is that, that correct? Is that paraphrasing well, correctly? I mean, yes, basically this, but I, we're, we're a family business. It's, it's me and my dad and my sister. And we were having a conversation. I was talking to my dad about, you know, if we were, you know, if let's say one of us wanted to open another lot or, or if we wanted to open, you know, just expand, mm-hmm. just kind of theorizing, you know, Hey, how did we get to where we are? We're a one store location where we've been mature for a while now because our business opened in 99 and so we've been hovering at the four to 500 account range for quite a while. And partly we can't get much bigger because we're on a 0.3 acre lot. So it's hard to get, there's a certain, only so much you can grow with so much space. I mean, people do it more, but it's a lot harder. Oh, sure. You're limited in space. So, you know, we were like, at some point, sometimes you actually start accumulating capital, but you also are like, well, how, how did we get to where we were, where we are now? And if, if you were, you know, to open another dealership from scratch, the question is, is what, how much money in my mind was, was what would you need to have a high chance of success? You know, yes, you could use leverage, but obviously if you start out with, you know, there are a lot of dealers that fail. So mm-hmm. if you start off with 50000 or $100,000 and, you know, all you can afford is some inventory and you try to put 10 notes on the books and then immediately have to start selling those notes or borrowing against them, you're putting yourself at a lot more risk. You know, ha- you know, you get to 250,000 or 500,000, you know, in cash, you can, you can invest in your new venture. Okay. Well, you may still need to borrow money, but at least you're, you're coming in with more equity to where you have, you know, some of that financial padding, that you don't have to have everything go right immediately, you know, from month one, month two, mm-hmm. where it's, hey, if I'm not profitable by the second month, I'm out of business. Sure. Well, because everyone knows profit. with a new business, if you, if you don't start making money at some point, you go, you know, you go under. Yeah. And it's and what we'll be able to illustrate here today. And we don't look in the modeling that I brought together for today. We don't look very much at the profitability. Like we certainly can look at the profit side, but as you know, in this business, we, unless we're selling the paper, we can't really leverage that profit or, if, you know, if sure. cash flow. that paper, right. Yeah. So we're really looking heavy at cash flow. And uh, let's, I, I think what I said before you joined is that I think we're going to have to kind of do this at an ongoing conversation. Mm-hmm. In fact, till further notice, I'd, I'd like to just make every Friday episode um, around this subject because what, I, what I'd like to be able to come back and do on a future episode is break it down like what it would look like organically. Like if we just reinvested the cash mm-hmm. that we generated in a, on a positive basis and kind of just compare side by side. For today, I just kind of took typical dealer doing mm-hmm. 25 a month and, you know, what would it, what's that look like? So we can get into the numbers. Yeah. I just, I had one, yeah, um, one thought as you were talking about that, you know, you've been in the business since 99, did you say? 
Well, I came in a couple of years after. I'm yeah. I'm I'm, I'm going to be forty this year, so I'm thirty nine. Yeah. So a couple a couple of years after, but not many. You know, early two thousand. Yeah. Well, so years now. The the thing I was I, the first thing that came through my mind, and again, I'm married and Dubai here, Peter. Yeah. So I, you know, we talk about it all day long, every day. So I've I've learned a couple of things, but the back in ninety nine. Uh, cost of car was like three grand, yeah. And yeah. today it's like 10 grand, so it's well, that's true. That's, yeah. that's true, however, you know, and I think you can see it many different ways. And there mm -hmm. probably are, you know, there's thousands of buy here, pay here dealers out there, so you know, there's upsides and downsides to everything. I mean, in some ways, we've had some of our better years more recently, and partly it's because also the cost of selling a car is higher now, you know, back mm -hmm. then. You're gonna have a lot of people asking, "Hey, can I get a $200 a month payment or $250?" Nowadays, people walk in expecting, you know, "Hey, I, I need a I need a smaller car payment," and they're saying, yeah. "I need around $400 a month." Right. That's a smaller payment today. So, yeah. you know, sell a car for for thirteen or fourteen thousand is not un unreasonable. And I would say, it, you know, the margins aren't necessarily. I think during COVID, when there was that shortage, it was it was a lot harder. Mm -hmm. But yeah. now, you know, when there's the 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 availability of inventory, is mm -hmm. that comes back on, you know, on market, and 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 now it's a more normalized situation. Yeah. Or, I mean, there's dealers who are buying those ten thousand dollar cars, but they're still, I mean, I see them all the time, six seven thousand dollar ACV ready to go cars, and you can sell them for thirteen or fourteen thousand. I mean, you couldn't you couldn't sell a car for thirteen or fourteen thousand back in ninety nine or two thousand either. So. No, no, yeah, but I mean, a hundred thousand dollars though would go a lot further, oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, than it yeah. would today. So but also it, yeah. had lower overhead, maybe lower expected lower profits. So yes, the total, the dollar. Yeah. There's been a lot of inflation. Let's just say yeah. that. Yeah, and I think for today we just we're going to deal with numbers, like we not not much speculation. We we have. A lot of, you know, some call it levers, like in this cash flow modeling. And if you want to show it on the screen, Michelle, okay, we can go ahead and move to the numbers because the, the um, and, and don't anybody panic when they look at these numbers. There's a lot of stuff <laughs> to understand about what we're looking at yeah, here. But, I'm, I'm, I'm actually going to just make this full screen so that everyone can see it a little sure. bit better. And Yeah. Right. And listen, this is, there's so many different levers, so many different assumptions that we can change. Mm -hmm. All those numbers in yellow, it's, we could change yeah. assumptions that drive the stuff. And for this morning, Sam, I brought together some other assumptions that we can plug in so we can turn a line of credit on or off um, in this scenario. We can also turn the related finance company on or off. Um, we, we, I can tell from working with the modeling, we, you know, at this volume, at this cost of car and price of car, um, we kind of have to have that related finance company or we really just get, you know, hammered. So, so we, we got to look at how this, and this is, these are big numbers here, but I thought also fascinating, Sam, that when we, um, when I read through the comments on your post, they were all over the place in terms of what people were saying. And this is why I think it's just so important to let's just break down the numbers. Let's, let's not speculate yeah. and guess. Obviously business models vary pace of sales is going to make a big difference, you know, volume, and then, you know, how fast you want to grow that volume. Uh, all these kind of things are big factors and why those, those answers would be all over the place. But I just think when it, one of the things we've challenged everybody to do uh, across the industry, we just ask, you know, when we talk numbers, let's be as specific as we can so that everybody can learn from it. And so what I'm trying to do here is, you know, 
drill down to certain numbers and, and Sam, your numbers in Texas would be different. Like I'm sitting here to look at the numbers for those who aren't able to see the screen. Some of our folks catch this on an audio, you know, mm -hmm. after the fact. So, you know, we just, we can't go through all the numbers on the screen, but basically what I've got currently loaded is a, a selling uh, volume of 25 a month. And for this model, it assumes you do 25 a month from the very first month. And we know that's not exactly how it works. So again, we're just, we're, mm -hmm. we're trying to get an overall projection of what kind of capital would be required, you know, if we were to operate at this level. So let me kind of go piece by piece here. I've chosen, so the numbers that you see in orange over there on the left, those are numbers that we've taken from our V8 dealer group so that we've just got some real averages from some real dealers from the month of December. And so these are numbers that obviously we can change them and, and you and I can change them today, Sam, at the end, we, you know, as we get back to the end, we can, we can move some of these numbers and get a feel for, you know, how it moves the needle. But I currently have 23.9 in for the APR that'll vary by state and what the cap is going to be. And obviously by business model, I have some add-on costs in there and those get financed. And obviously, Sam, your case in Texas, you have the seller finance tax program. So you don't have as much sales tax up front or some of these other things that would drive some of these numbers up, you know, with a yeah. typical dealer. But since more of our dealers are. Are, complain about not having a seller <laughs> finance tax program, yeah. like yeah, Texas. Definitely a, big, a big plus here in Texas. Out of money on the cash flow. Maybe yeah. between you and me and Michelle, we have enough stroke to go get some of the other states to do it too. So yeah, yeah. Michelle's Michelle's got I, a lot well, of influence. You know, so. Yeah, know. she's charming. <laughs> so that no, was we'll, we'll but yeah, that is a huge benefit for you. But I've got the mm -hmm. so the cost of car I've got loaded in for those who can't see the screen. We're at eighty two forty five for a, mm -hmm. a cost of vehicle, yeah. including recon. And selling price is just over fourteen five. Right. So you're you're you got that number in there. And we currently at the like not like round non round numbers. Like you didn't say fourteen thousand five hundred. It was like I use the actual average. Yeah, these are I've the actual picked, just, average from I'm, dealers well that we talk to. Yeah. So just kind of saying this is what it looks like for our dealers across, you know, it's across many states. And so I'm just trying to give something that's representative. I used 520 payment per month also from the group. Um, it This number doesn't drive much in the, the big calculations. What it does do is give us some of these numbers down here in green, which we, we may be able to get to and explain a little bit. It gives a snapshot of receivables down here. This shows it at the end of one year we'd have 3.2 at the end of um, five years, we'd have 6.1 in receivables. So it does kind of give us a look at receivables. And I've got the RFC toggled on right there. If I put in a hundred percent, it will take away the impact of the RFC, but that the numbers go through the roof. And so I, I do you have an RFC, Sam? We do not. And, and yeah. strangely, you know, we, we grew fairly slow. Mm -hmm. And because of that, we never needed it. So yeah. we don't have the overhead from it. Also, once once you get to the mature level, it, it's it's almost yeah. pointless to. Have. I'm, uh, I'm, but yeah, it's interesting to hear you say that because that's something that we sometimes comes up. I I always feel like the the optimal benefit from RFC is early. Of course, dealers enjoy discounting the contracts every year. But you're right, as a portfolio matures and now you're experiencing the losses from prior year's sales, then you know your profitability is not what it was, and so you don't have the same problem. And you're right, slow growth. Well, you, have less growing, think that you get it that it's only as you're growing that you get any irs tax benefit is the thing so if you're yeah. not growing you no longer receive 
any tax benefit from it. Yeah, yeah I follow because you, it's true. You would be you would be writing off you know those prior losses or, or your prior charge offs that are or prior sales that are charging off in the current period. Mm-hmm. Maybe a better way to say that. But let me kind of go over to these numbers on the right side in pink right here. Um, those numbers are your cash flow, and this includes income tax. So it's allowing for you know, income tax um, of the dealership after allowing for the RFC discount. So what you're seeing is um, that in year one, we would need at this volume, at this cost of car, at the down payment, which I've got 1386 loaded in there for down payment. Some dealers enjoy more. And so again, we can come back and rework model after model with this thing, but we just kind of pick some representative numbers. And this thing would be negative, um, Sam, 2.8 million at the end of 12 months. And I've gotten I've got an analysis, a breakdown of that first year. So let me just go through those. So you can see over there, we've got our startup costs, which is it's startup money. So it's spending in, in the, kind of what I call the pre-start month. Like it would be whatever operating expenses you would have to get your store open. Then you would have initial inventory included in that too. And I, I think I set it at 20 or 25 units over there to to start. So we'd have that cash before we ever started conducting business. Then in the first year, we would have this much spent um, purchasing and reconditioning cars. We would have our, um, and I think that number includes um, the, the, it does, it includes add-on costs. Then you've got operating expenses there. Down payments, now we get into the positive numbers, thankfully. Uh, down payments and car payments coming in and uh, repo ACV recovered. Now I'm using some what I call conversion rates that are typical for our dealers and out there. And so this, those conversion rates drive the way the portfolio converts to cash, which, you know, those numbers could be expressed sort of as a collateral recovery rate, which many of us hear about, but, but bottom line is those, those numbers are reflective of what at the rate at which dealers typically collect. And so now that's kind of a breakdown of all the cash. So incoming cash in year one, 1.6, negative cash, 4.4. So we're at um, 2.7. So obviously the cost of funding, all those $8,200 cost cars minus $1,300 down payment. You know, we, we got a lot of cash going uh, out on the road in that first year at this pace of 25. So again, for just a little bit, I want to leave all those numbers locked down because we've still got a, a few more things to talk about. And I've got the RFs, I'm sorry, the line of credit loaded in here down at the bottom. And so I can turn this part on and off, but basically right now, if we had a line of credit, now I got to be super careful about the way I say this, this is what I chose to do here is something that really is pretty difficult to do. It really just basically utilizes a line of credit from the beginning, which most dealers can't qualify for a line of credit right out of the gate. So that's, that's kind of problematic in our modeling to begin with. But I just kind of, for instance, I said, if we had a line of credit and we could borrow against our receivables from the gate, then we would have, and I used a 50% leverage. So let's just kind of walk through that for everybody. What I use is a 50% advance rate on principle. And, and I, and I also, I can take us over there and show you how I did it. But basically I just said, if we drew 50% on every new contract, then I figured out how much of our principal that we collected from consumers would we have to apply to that line of credit to keep us under a 50% leverage. And so that's the mo- that's the modeling that happens here. And it just said, but that again assumes that we started borrowing from day one and drew that money on the, the line of credit. So now 
at the end of 12 months, we would have almost 1.5, and if people can read that number, 1.472 that we would have in debt at the close of 12 months. And, and this is currently, I've got it modeled out at an 18% interest. Now we can play with some other numbers because again, the, typically the only way dealers are gonna have a line of credit right out of the gate is it, and, and I don't wanna speak on behalf of any of our lenders, lenders out there in the space, but typically they're not gonna provide financing inside of a year. You know, they yeah. wanna see some history, they wanna see some cash flow and receivable. So in some Sam's, in your scenario though, like if you were to say that we, what we wanna do is we wanna open up another location and starting this as another location, you have all of that. that that's that's the possibility, but, mm -hmm. but, for, but for my question, it was really, if you're starting fresh, like not, not mm -hmm. with ability to leverage your, current location because for one thing let's suppose you know you want to split off uh a, a family business or whatever or you just don't want to you know you have want to form two corporations and you don't want to risk the first corporation mm -hmm. taking any risk on that you know well, hey i don't i don't want to risk uh my my first dealership at all for right. my second dealership. just just theor theoretically i'm not saying you can do it Okay. without that but but uh you know because obviously they may say hey we need a personal guarantee or whatever yeah. but just the, the theoretical idea if, if you had the money and you could yeah how much do you need to, to restart and i do there's an interesting uh spreadsheet here i think the only thing i'm a little lost on was like five and six on the lines i wasn't real clear what those lines were oh that's and, just oh, i'm gonna take you down and show you let me just show you i the think also you know Part of that that uh, uh, idea of kind of the organic growth is also the the bootstrapping your yourself and and being a little bit on the more frugal side. Sure. You know, I'm not saying people always want to do that, and obviously, it a lot of it depends on where you are in life. You know, hey, am I willing to work a little harder, a little smarter? Or can I or can I not? But like I noticed, like overhead was 1.3 million from from day one. Mm -hmm. I imagine probably a lot of dealers uh, try to get that number somewhat lower when they're starting out. Yeah. And eventually, as you mature, it's like, well, now you know I'm in a more established space, and you know maybe I don't want to work as hard, so I have mm -hmm. you know a couple extra managers or whatever. I, I don't know what that number, that 1.3 yeah. million one, but. I certainly, it certainly doesn't sound low as far as <laughs> no, uh, it does. overhead. Yeah. Let me tell you where that number came that from. Number, so yeah. back on, well, back. It's from your um, group, right? It's from your, your well, group. It, no, that one is not from our V8 groups. That this one, one is, Yeah, no, so we don't that, do expenses in the V8 groups. Yeah. So we this number actually came from an appearance when Brent Carmichael was with us from NCM a few weeks ago. He brought um, the quarter third quarter um averages from there yeah uh, so what this number is is the small volume dealers and it was the benchmark average of their small volume yeah. dealers so you I can see right definition. there it's highlighted it's line 21 and that's i mean i'm sure it's it's a it's a legit number it doesn't seem not legit but i just think you know it's it's different when you've got 500 accounts and you're already mature and you say yeah. you know what now that i've established my business i I can afford this overhead versus when you're starting out and sure. you say, I'm, I'm just starting. So I don't have that money. How, what do I need to do to get to the point of, of course, 
of, of having that kind of money. And that's why this, so, this will have to be an ongoing conversation because everybody's approach is going to be a little different. So I would like to look at an organic kind of slow growth scenario on a future podcast, because this number, and you're right, this, this number is basically it's, it's overhead per car sold. So we, I can, and if I'll, I'll use the benchmark, um, instead of, I think the number was 2602 right here. So if I change that number now, our overhead is we're at 923. So that's, that's model dealers. That's like, you know, the, the, that's, hun- that's, that's the benchmark yeah, for typical yeah. dealers are spending $2,600 or the benchmark dealers in NCM's group, just hundreds of dealers are spending about $2,600 per car sold. So that's how that number works. And again, does that include that sales tax number? I, I'm sorry. I, I don't mean to no, help no. yourself. Yeah. Um, sales tax sales tax tax. I was like, I didn't even know where that number was. I heard you say it. And I'm like, well, since we are in Texas, we don't deal yeah, with that. Yeah. No, here's where that comes from. It's down here. I'm using a 7% sales tax rate. So that says each okay. deal would be about a thousand. And by the way, for you outside is um, the state of Texas, Sam in Texas still has to pay a sales tax. He just gets to pay it as the as customer he, yeah. pays instead of, uh, <laughs> instead of having to cough it up up front. So up well, front, that's a huge thing. Cause if they stop paying, we stop paying the sales tax. Absolutely. Well. And, and, yeah. Huge. yeah and, and that's not recouped in other states yeah, from dealers. We should probably quit talking about that, Sam, cause you're gonna have a lot of dealers moving from <laughs> Illinois to San Antonio <laughs> wanting to set up their dealerships down there. And yeah. so you're gonna have a lot of competition. No, it's really, it's a really, really great thing. And a quick mention of, uh, I'm, I'm told that, uh, Ken Dunnigan, is that his name? I, that doesn't sound right, but uh, Michael, Michael Dunnigan out Michael of Texas. Dunnigan. Yeah. So he he's um, gets a lot of the credit, I'm told, for helping put that together many years ago. So yeah, to his credit, you guys have that solution. So that's something that we we are aware, but I've got it modeled in at 7%. So just the sales tax alone per deal would be 1021 So we got to cough that up in 30 days. So that math is included in the cost of sales up there above. But yeah, that's where those numbers are coming from. And so it's again, it's inside this purchasing cost of goods sold because we're only we're only paying that if we're selling cars. And then you had asked side. about the add-ons, what those what it is that we're talking about. And that's with what the that add-ons. is. That's, that's sales yeah. tax plus the I think it's got three hundred and something, no, $135 for other other costs like you know registration plates obviously that varies by state and and whatever but yes that's a big that's a big expense for a lot of states which i mean on the other hand you know when you're dealing with that well then all the you know you're on a level playing field with all the other dealers in your your well so yeah Yeah. and i might add too that this this uh, operating expense up there currently has the interest associated with this line of credit that i have turned on if i turn off the line of credit and i don't pay 18 percent interest now my operating expense drops to 780. okay so so there so there is i was wondering how is 1.3 million so a big part of that is is, that's interest on your your line of credit okay Mm -hmm. and that that number sounds a lot uh more more like well how did you jump up to 1.3 million yeah. your, <laughs> yeah. um, big number okay. but the, you know the interesting thing that i i um when we were looking at this before is that uh having a lock or having a, a line of credit and not having a line of credit <clears throat> is is only um a few hundred thousand dollars it's it's not a, it's not a a, a lot I'm of sure i know what you mean um well when you when you change yeah, no, I, yeah I mean yeah your your success or non-success mm-hmm. isn't going to be tied yeah. that much that other than, other than for the factor of whether or not you have access to that money yeah right yeah if you, if you get your line of credit cut off or you can't get one 
then that's a problem. But once you have, you know, have it, mm-hmm. it's not, it's not like the number one thing to your success of your yeah. dealership. Sure. Cause you can, make, you can make up that 300,000 in a lot of ways, sure. you know, you get your unit costs down or your overhead costs down in other ways, mm-hmm. or your, you know, your, your, mm-hmm. your payment, you know, if, if you can get your payments higher or your, or your, you know, relative to your, to your cost of goods, I mean, that does make a big difference. Sure. Absolutely. And I think, um, you know, volume, obviously it, if, if we slow down the volume, which we can start, you know, flipping some of these levers now that we've kind of given everybody a tour of what they're looking at. I don't know that I quite finished over here about, I took out the line of credit now. So our difference between when, when we ask say free capital, like how much cash would I need currently at this volume of 25, not using any external debt or capital from outside at that volume and at this APR and all those numbers that we have locked in, then you're at about 2.2 in the first year. I'll point out that you're actually negative 2.5 in total. And that's because we, we must still be going slightly negative as you can see into the early months of year two, because we're, we're still total negative of 270 for the second year. So that just means we're, we're not quite there in terms of our, you know, 2.2 at the end of the year, but I just wanted to model out the first year because that's really the critical period for folks. And you can see why it's challenging for people to get over the hump, you know, if they don't have enough cash. And, and again, we've got, we've got cost of car in here from some dealers that are established. So obviously that, and, and uh, so, you know, we, we, people talk a lot about different cost of car and what that translates to into performance. And I think you have to be careful about those kind of things. But I think when, if I move the numbers over here, let's just look, if, if I could do a $6,500 cost car, and let me just carry that across the way and I could drop that selling price now to let's put five grand. If we do 11.5, just to starting point, if I put 11.5, so let's say this is more representative of what I'm going to do. And let's back this volume back down to 15 a month and do that across the way. Then you can see how much the numbers are going to shift. Uh, interestingly, though, we're, we're at 1.5 now still for the first year. Um, I've still got our, our overhead is still being driven based on volume. So we, as we dropped our volume, we would have also dropped our total expenses. Now our total operating expenses in the first year under a half a million. And our cost of that is down, but we still need 1.2 in the first 12 months to get, um, and we're still not quite cash positive. So we need 1.419 to get ourselves cash positive on all the cash that's moving in the business. But that's a big difference. It's a million dollars difference. Absolutely. Switched it to 6,500. Yeah, absolutely. And now we... I'm curious, like, what have you, can you, you know, could you move that number to say selling price to 12,000 from 60, you know, maybe you can get a little bit more margin. Would that make a difference? It will only move the, um, the, I don't know how that affects it. It's going to move our profit, which is going to increase our income tax a little bit. Uh, so that's about the only thing that would move in there. Um, again, keep in mind as everybody, as we look at this, I've got a 30% discount to the RFC built in there. So that is reducing our profit on the dealership side, which is reducing the demands of income tax because income tax is rolled into these numbers. I put up here, this is post tax, but doesn't, um, doesn't factor in the leverage element. So it well, just I think it lower, I think it lowered the number a little bit though, on the free capital. On which one? On the free capital. The, the free capital the, net of debt. I think it was a little bit higher. Okay. 
It was five. it was twelve something, I think. When I went yeah, point million. I'm guessing because you're starting out a little more cash. Twelve oh seven. Yeah. Yeah. You're having a little more cash flow from from that slightly higher sales price. Now, admittedly, obviously in December you're you're owing, but you're using well, I mean, you're assuming a, a RFC anyway. So you yeah. are getting a little extra cash flow by you know, having a little bit holding your margin and and holding your cost a little bit lower. Well, see, I would be careful about that because that's not the way I would think about it because I think when you increase your price, you I'm still converting my receivables at the same rate. So I'm really just, I'm not probably moving my cash flow in the first 12 years, my incoming cash. Uh, and we had we did an episode on yeah. that a while back. Yeah, where, I'm, a little, I'm a little confused because <laughs> these are complicated spreadsheets. You're, you're keeping the payment constant. So I'm a little bit definitely not clear on. Oh, how yeah. That, so yeah. Somehow it shows different in your, I mean, when it, when it converts to your year one free capital, it did go down, mm -hmm. you know, not a lot, but, but it went down. Yeah. Yeah. 50 grand or something for like people. That. I'll mark it in orange. This payment right here, I didn't go ahead and explain. It's a little different. It, it's not used to drive the cash flow. It's just used to kind of do some of these calculations down here, which when we're working with new dealers and what we do is we say, you know, just think of it this way. Cause often we're working with dealers who are coming from independent retail or mm -hmm. franchise. They've never been around the buy here, payer business. So this is a way for us to ask them to think about, you know, to cover our overhead, we would need about 75 accounts. You know, so there's another way for us to back up and think about this. At this volume, at 15 sales a month, and at this, you know, cost of car and all this cash flow, we would need about 75 accounts at that 520 a month to cover our overhead. And then we would need about 200, what, by the time we factor in down payments, we would need 254 accounts all told, paying us that payment of 520 to cover the cost of both uh, replacing the cars and and the, and the overhead so that's why we 253 accounts so it's just kind of a it's a method to give people a sure. way to think about it so then so then when you raise the price wouldn't does that not i mean this is a question because maybe i'm i'm a little bit un, unclear uh does that not increase that would increase does that not increase your your cash flow since if you have the same period of payback oh so see, if, that's you, if you low, if you increased 520 um well i mean no 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 i meant like when you when you when we moved you know you moved the unit cost down to 6500 which i think when you're first starting you're going to try to keep your you know obviously i think some people talk about buying 2000 you know i'm not talking about moving it down to $3000 as you said mm -hmm. that was back in the early yeah. 2000 it may be hard to do that but certainly you know there there are cars out there for 60 you know that you can get ready for 6500 instead yeah. of 85 mm -hmm. but then the selling price is 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 a uh fluctuating number i mean you know and i think dealers that are mature new whatever talk about it because that that margin is important when you figure hey whether you're new or or mature if you have a $3000 average cost of overhead well, how comfortable are you, you know, not marking up your car enough, sure. uh, especially if you don't know what your, your write-offs are going to be. I mean, that's not a constant number either. Sometimes write-offs equal interest. Sometimes write-offs exceed interest uh, right. payments. And so what I've done is I changed screens here on just so you kind of see behind the scenes on the portfolio side. So this is what I meant earlier when I referred to conversion rates. And what we do, Sam, is I don't, I don't currently 
many years ago, I switched away to this kind of a model because I find it's much more reliable when forecasting the cash flow and the yield off of the portfolio. But I think what I heard you say there is what you were really indicating is that if you raise the price and you're still trying to keep your term at 36 months and obviously the payment's going to go up a little bit, right? So yes. that would move that cash flow in that way. And while that certainly can be true, um, what we're really doing here is we're just saying, regardless of how all that works on uh, you're saying, and regardless of how you choose to amortize the note, then we're, we use these kind of drivers. I call them conversion rate because what you're basically doing is you're saying, if I open the month and I don't have it over here at the start, but let's look at like month two, if I open the month with one point or uh, 176 and receivables, then I should bring in about this much principal and I should bring in about this much interest based on these drivers. So though I don't change those drivers, and now we can. That, uh, we that, that basically, I mean, it's not doing it by months, but your principal goes up as your sales price goes up. So you're 3.5%. Yeah. yeah. And I've said to dealers before, it's like that, that that's in theory, that's good. It's better to tie this to your actual portfolio performance. You know what I mean? It's sure, like, sure. It's yeah, obviously you don't want to have more repos because you push too big of a payment right. or whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so there's a lot of there's a lot of moving parts in buy here, pay here for oh, anybody. For sure. Yeah, that's why there's a few today. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and we're not done. Yeah, but yeah, that's you're absolutely right. But I think this is just to help our listeners kind of understand that's what drives all these numbers in terms of the portfolio. And everybody's conversion rates would be a little different, part of like what you're talking about, uh cost of car or selling price mm-hmm. of car terms and all those kind of things would be a factor. So but we just find that this is most um kind of most predictive, mm-hmm. most reliable way to do it. And so w- what we typically do with this is we, obviously you can tell we have to get custom like, and part of the reason that I haven't ever been able to release this spreadsheet, I built this spreadsheet in 2005 and I've added stuff to it as I've you know, gone, but, but, but I can't share it with people because it's not really built to be self-managed. It's like, it's, <laughs> there's all these numbers that have to kind of follow, mm-hmm. you know, as you shift the business model. And so it just, uh, maybe one day, you know, um, mm-hmm. maybe AI will help me write the thing in a way that we can get there, but it's just, there, there's a lot of moving parts, as you said. And so for us to be able to, to shift, I, I think what we'll do is we'll come back on a future episode and we'll break down an organic, like a slow growth sort of model and say, if I just did my volume slow and I just took my positive cash and, and reinvested and mm-hmm. built my volume a little by little, then we can, uh, we can look and see, you know, what, how's that look across what, five years, you know, how, how does someone do that? Do they do cash sales? I mean, that's a whole nother episode, I'm sure, but um, do, it you, is. Do, do you do a mixture of, of cash and finance or, you know, how do people get to, to a point that's, where they yeah. can start with less than $2 million? You know, I can start with a million or half a million and, and make it work. I think the that, a lot of dealers do it. I mean, yeah. that's, I, you might need to, you know, say, Hey, well, what, what is it the dealers do to make that work where they did start off with, you know, 300 or $400,000 and somehow, you know, mature. I mean, in those comment sections, people say there were, I think a lot of people are not going to put out their, their, everything about themselves sure. in a public space, even if it's a private group, but some people do, but, but, uh, you know, I mean, when they say they grew, grew organically, I'm, I'm, I'm curious what that means. You, I mean, again, you're not starting with $0, but I would think it means you're not starting with $5 million in the bank either. So, yeah, good point. Um, <laughs> you know, I, maybe a lot of people did start with three hundred, four hundred thousand dollars $400,000, you know, they mortgaged their house or sold other small sure. business or inherited some money or whatever they did. 
and then they somehow manage to, uh, as you said, grow slower mm -hmm. and maybe they didn't reach, you know, hey, they're not at 500 accounts by year four. But mm -hmm. on the other hand, hey, 10 years down the road, they're saying, hey, you know what? It, it's working pretty good. Yeah. And I think the thing that gets left out of that, because we do hear people say that, that they, I, I think um, a couple of quick things to come back on what you said is like, how do they do it? Well, they either sell some cars for cash or they have some other streams of revenue, right? To support what they're doing or offset some overhead or they're selling paper. Some, some, yes, some people, yes, they use other, other forms of leverage that maybe are not, yeah. uh, uh, or, or I don't even want to call it leverage because when you sell the paper, it's not right. leverage. Right. It's, other other forms of getting capital that are sure. that are out yeah there are definitely examples of dealers out there who have done that successfully and and yeah. worked their way to a place where they could afford to fund the paper themselves and so that happens but i think you know we work with dealers that are new sometimes they're coming out of independent retail we, i can think of a dealer we worked with who had a very successful service department so their ability to add a few buy here payer sales the, the actual cost associated with them adding that quote unquote department was pretty light and so when yes. you look at that, that's yes. why you have like revenue from a different right, mm -hmm. right. You know, You're business, yeah. you know, another, a lot of dealers probably have that either service or some other business entirely, potentially. Yeah. Uh, that's why know. I think these conversations are so important because I just think it's, it's hard to get apples to apples. So what I try to do here, and I, again, I appreciate your question because it kind of inspired me to, to make the time to dig into some of this stuff and, and break it down. One of the thing I did this morning that I can thank Sam Epstein for the rest of my life for finally <laughs> making time to sit down and produce this because um, I, I've been wanting to kind of chart this for the longest time and I, I'll eventually improve the way it, it illustrates. But what it's showing is based on the numbers we currently have loaded is this is what I would call uncovered expenses, Sam, this green line. And so what that means is, and here's the way I chose to do it. Let me back up and help people first understand the green line is basically just saying our operating expenses net of collections. Okay. So all the stuff related to sales is up in the blue line, but this is just saying the cost of operating, which I have even the overhead, I have 30 grand of just opening the doors, you know, signage and lights, yes. software and all the stuff. I got 30 grand in there. And so that's why month zero looks like that. That's what I call pre-start expenses. But then we would have to fund this, um, we would need about 123 grand to cover the expenses at this low volume that we've got in there. We would need 123 grand just to cover the expenses until our cash flow built up to the point that it covered those expenses. So when I say cash flow, principal and interest collected plus the value of any repos we recovered, that's going to be kind of yield from the, the portfolio, if you will. And then if I look at inventory, I choose to, to drive inventory based on net of down payment. And my thinking on that is, we, we don't have to replace the car unless we sold it. And if we sold it, we got some down payment. So this number up here is the amount of money we would have invested across 12 months. So in this case, 1.3 million, we'd have invested just in replacing cars, even after we adjust our or down payment. So I just yeah. kind of broke those out into two different numbers. And so obviously the sum of those two numbers would be reflective of our total capitalization. So it's, um, and, and I don't have income tax built in here because none of us want to think about income tax, but it's like, you know, we just, we, we realize that it's, it's, uh, it's part of why I think it's, it's uh, a, an ongoing conversation. And again, I'm just really grateful for you, you know, throwing mm -hmm. the thing out there because I thought it was, it was, uh, it, it invoked some thought, which is always good. And it, and it kind of showed as people responded, man, you know, 
business approaches are just all over the place. And, and it's part of what attracts people, I think, to buy here, pay here is the, you know, the, the, be the beauty of being a maverick and creating your own model and doing it the way you want to do it. And whatever you have the appetite for in terms of risk and some use leverage and some don't. And it's just, you know, it's just kind of fascinating to me. And we can take down the, the spreadsheet. I think it's, um, it just is indicating. And I think you know, we, we, I, I obviously enjoy playing with the spreadsheets and playing with the, you know, working the levers and see what it changes. So it's a, uh, it's, I it's can vouch for that. Yeah, it's, it's Absolutely. Stuff. But yeah. yeah. And I think for today we covered what I had mine to cover and I would urge you kind of, you know, keep tabs on what we're, we're doing with the cash flow modeling that we do for because we're continue to analyze this. This is just such important stuff for yeah. people to be able to grasp and it, especially now with cost of car being higher. It's just, um, mm -hmm. we, we are, and cost of money is higher. So this just means our, 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 what's going to require us in cash is going to take more and, and our, our margins for dealers, whether we're talking about profit or cash flow, our margins are thinner. And so we've got to be, you know, pretty careful about how we model and build our business plan. So it's, yeah. I think it's useful. Yeah. Well, I think the margins as, as your cost of car goes up tend to go down, which is kind of one reason why I said, Hey, like that 8,500, you know, I, again, I don't think, you know, some people say, Oh, go buy a 2000. Well, you don't want to buy, you know, $2,000 car if it's not going to run for three years, Right. but buying a $5,000 car that you can recon, you know, an extra thousand into, and you know, maybe it's not quite as pretty or whatever. Maybe it's got a scratch or two on it. Yeah. That can have a huge impact on your, on your, uh, you know, on your overall success rate. If you're, if you're dealing with a limited budget, yeah. uh, you know, because you may get, you may be getting, you know, a thousand to fifteen hundred dollars as your down payment, whether you have eight thousand or nine thousand in the car or five or six thousand in the car, and and to that point too, also people's payment, you know, people can only afford so much a lot of times. So, mm -hmm. you know, if you look at some of the bigger companies out there, like uh, uh, you know, Drive Time or I mean, America's Car Mart, they're a public company and. And you can see, you know, they, they, they publish their numbers mm -hmm. and they, uh, you know, they're, they have over a hundred stores and they, you know, during COVID, they just allowed their cost of, uh, ACV cost of goods to, to balloon. Mm -hmm. And they went from selling cars that were, you know, 12 or 13,000 to 18,000 and their margins went way down. I mean, their, their, their gross margin now, I think under 35% and they used to be kind of like a pretty, uh, uh, well, you know, well run as far as holding, you know, 45% margins or that kind of thing for having a hundred stores. I mean, that's, that's a huge difference, yeah. Sure, but yeah. you can't, but you can't make the payments go to a thousand dollars a month on a buy your pay your customer. Right. No. right. You, yeah. you can, but they won't be out there very long. So yeah, <laughs> that's yeah. True. yeah. So, no. I appreciate you making time, Sam. We should wrap up there, but yeah. I, again, it's been a pleasure to meet you and spend some time with you. I appreciate yeah. your question and your, your yeah. contributions to and today's We'd love to be able to uh, invite you back again at, at a future time. Um, we really appreciate more subjects, Yeah. So. There'll be plenty more subjects. Yeah. But again, um, you've, you've got a lot of, uh, you know, a, a, a family experience of, of a few decades and so yeah. that's always adds to a really good conversation I, thank you i've never been on a podcast before so i i hope i, I you did great. You did great. thank you so much we all right do you want to stick around behind yeah, um stay, backstage stay so we can second. say goodbye properly before you go okay, sure. thank you all right thank you all right, all right. So, fun stuff you know i love digging into the numbers but i it's, think i will plan to make fridays uh for a time until we feel like yeah we've and i and i stuff. do you know we we uh we 
use this tool all the time. We, I say we, yeah. he uses this she tool all the time. And, yeah. And it's, uh, um, it, it's, it is something that we have seen that it's possible for people to go from with very, very low amounts coming up, but it's, uh, it's certainly challenging sure. in a very different way. So I, I look forward to actually um, unpacking that a little yep. bit too. And listen, if you all remind folks, we got our, our new group three is a mm -hmm. brand for brand new dealers. If you're new in the business, like under a hundred accounts, some of our dealers will be under 50 accounts. Um, just reach out to me. Let's get the talk. We might do cash flow modeling in that meeting on Tuesday. Oh, night. fun. So, you know, All righty. Everybody, have yourself a great weekend. We appreciate you joining us today on this Friday, and we will see you all on Monday. Very have good. a great day, everybody. Thanks. Have a great Friday. Thanks so much.